And if that's the case, then, then I think you should find a way to, to keep those, those assets that you bring in separate so that it's, uh, you, you know, it's always clear and easy to understand who owns what as individuals. And then if you wanted to, you can combine your finances with new capital that you accumulate together going forward. So, so that makes sense, you know, if, if your debt is, is less than 500,000 Rand, to then draw that portion uh, of, the, of your retirement fund as a lump sum um, and to pay that, pay that down. But if you're going to cash in, for example, your entire retirement fund, and, uh, and, and that has a big tax implication because, you, you know, you, you pay a lot more taxes as you, as you draw more money out of your retirement fund, uh, you, you know, then I'm starting to think, you know, is it worth it? And, and I think, you know, you probably need to find a kind of a happy medium you know if your debt is much more than 500,000 rand then uh, you might want to actually consider a completely different set of questions which is you know should you actually be living in that property you know should you should you not find a much lower cost property uh, somewhere else uh, you know potentially even changing you know your, your whole location my name is Diana and this is the family finance show the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. This podcast is your weekly guide to effective budgeting, planning, and future-proofing of your family's finances. Because money matters to every family, and every family matters at Old Mutual. Enjoy the show. In this episode, Warren Ingram, an award-winning financial planner, answers our listeners' questions. How should we combine our finances after our wedding? Should I use my retirement funds to pay off my home loan? And should I invest into my retirement savings in monthly increments or one lump sum per year? What percentage of my income should I contribute to my retirement savings? Hi, Warren, and welcome back to another session of Q&A with the Family Finance Show. We had a couple of questions uh, that came in on our Twitter line. And uh, the first question is from someone who's asking how they should combine their finances after their wedding. Good question, I thought. Great question. I think it's, uh, um, you know, the emotional side of this and, the, and then the sort of the hard financial legal side are always, uh, you know, easy to kind of overlap and confuse. And I think uh, my, my suggestion is to adopt a principle as a couple first, which is, uh, you know, if, you, if you're getting married and you uh, with ANC with accrual, for example, then uh, what that means is, you know, you're arriving in the marriage with what you've brought into the marriage will remain yours if something goes wrong and the marriage ends one day. You can take that out again. Uh, you know, and, and let's say, for example, it was a 100,000 rand ETF portfolio and 10 years later, it's a million rand ETF portfolio. That means you can take that million rand out of the marriage and it's not common assets. It's not communal property between the two of you. And if that's the case, then, then I think you should find a way to, to keep those, those assets that you bring in separate so that it's, uh, you, you know, it's always clear and easy to understand who owns what as individuals. And then if you wanted to, you can combine your finances with new capital that you accumulate together going forward. So, so I think the, the, the one is about a, a real principle issue, but, but the second part is a very practical issue, which is 
it's uh, you know, and if someone passes away, there is a huge process to go through, a legal process to wind up the person's estate, and and get those assets transferred from the one spouse to the other. And in that time, uh, you, you know, the, the the surviving spouse is often at the mercy of of you know the executors, uh, the government officials at the master's office, and and you know everybody else involved in this whole thing to to, to get the the estate wound up quickly so that the spouse can actually get access to money. And I find that a tragic situation. And the easiest way to prevent that is to make sure that each of the two uh, people in the in the marriage have um, investments in their own names, so that if something goes wrong, they've got access to money immediately that they control. That they're not, you know, asking someone's permission to access money that they actually legally are entitled to. So I, I'm I'm not a big fan, I must say, of of combining everything in one as as a, a couple get married. I think you need to share the information very clearly, and it needs to be stored. Uh, and discussed as a couple, you know, regularly. So I, I'm not saying that you must hide the information from your spouse. Uh, and very much, uh, you know, you should have an alignment of the way you, you're going to manage your money together. So if one person's got a lot of money in shares and the other one's got uh, a lot in um, in bonds or cash, for example, then, you know, you need to say, well, hang on, as a couple, what are our joint goals? And then how do we make sure that the balance of those two, um, you know, work together? So I, I think uh, you know honesty is is a good a, a good deal when you talk about money together, and and especially around the uncomfortable parts like debt. Uh, you know, if you're coming into the marriage with debt, uh, um, you, you know, then you need to kind of have a game plan together as to how you're going to get rid of that debt because that debt becomes a burden on both of you going forward. So so you know I think uh, maybe a combined strategy, but don't necessarily combine all the assets would be my my short answer or my long answer, I guess. <laughs> I think you're right. I like that idea about having separate assets because in the in the case of death, it's you need access to money immediately. And in the case of families, you need to be able to pay your children's school fees and there's uh, huge, huge expenses and bills to be paid for, for most families. So that's a good a good point. And I found, I know you said that you don't uh, you you don't like to combine everything that the, the couple should have their their own uh, bank accounts. I'm not sure if that's exactly what you meant, but I've actually interviewed a couple of people on the podcast and different families do seem to do it differently. I remember interviewing uh, Vangile Makwakwa. She, we spoke about money differences between couples in a relationship, and that's a good one for the person who asked the question to go and have a listen to. Um, and she said, you know, a separate bank account, separate investments, separate everything. But I, I think uh, from a, a practical and administrative point of view, just having a joint bank account for all the family's expenses really helps. Um, it just makes things much easier in my view. Obviously, um, not everyone does it. I remember interviewing Jennifer Anderson on budgets and between her and her husband, so someone pays the school fees, someone pays the bond, and they, they split it like that. So I suppose it's also just a matter of personal preference when it comes to your your daily expenses. Uh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, you have to do what works for, for both of you in, in, in the relationship and and then, you know, collectively, especially when kids come along, in, in, you know, into the deal as well. I think this the one thing, you know, it's it's the the, the difficult, uncomfortable part uh, of financial planning that we always need to address. And you know, and I think South Africa's got quite a paternalistic history with money, um, you know, and, and especially the way women are treated, uh, you know, maybe in the marriage and 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 then definitely in in the divorce. 
and and my experience is, you know, having observed lots of uh, divorced uh, kind of couples, uh, you know, women generally have have sacrificed uh, to some extent their career in one form or another, whether it's just time off or reduced earnings because they have to uh, spend more time fetching and carrying, etc. Uh, you know, and and so to me, you know, the the financial protection that separation of assets uh, provides a woman in particular is is important, and I think. You know, you know, it's it sounds like a very old-fashioned thing, but that's that's generally the reality that we face in 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 this country, especially with couples, let's say, who are you know forty years uh, old or older. That you know, that's it's quite a traditional way of looking at money. And so, uh, you know, often when I talk to couples, you can see the the body language changing as I start to talk about this, and someone's getting irritated with me usually by by this point. And and my view is, uh, you know, I think you've got to you've got to be careful of taking someone's independence away when they come into a, a marriage. You know, it's very difficult, I think, to to say to someone who's worked, look, uh, let's combine all our income and expenses, and I'll tell you what you can spend on a monthly basis. I mean, and it doesn't matter whether that's the husband or the wife. You know, I think. Uh, you know, an element of of discretion on the way you can spend your own money that you're earning, as well as then you know tying into the family's goals, is important. You know, if you take away uh, all of that sort of uh, discretionary spending and and everything's controlled and watched and monitored, you um, know, I know for me as a, as an individual, I would hate that. You know, I don't mind having combined goals. I mean, as as I've said before, my wife's the spreadsheet queen, so so she'll she'll dictate uh, with me our our kind of joint goals. But there's always money in the in the budget for me to spend as I wish. That I I don't have to explain to anybody as long as it stays within what we've agreed. And I think that's the way things should be. You know, I, I don't think we should use uh, finances as a control mechanism. Uh, and unfortunately, that is that is a reality that a lot of w- women in South Africa face. Maybe some men as well, but I haven't found many. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a pity that. Um, the second question, Warren, comes from someone who says that they've just retired and is asking if they can take their uh, they can take their pension as a lump sum so they've retired they can take their pension as a lump sum and is asking should i use my retirement funds to pay off my home loan it's a um i'm i'm going to sit a little bit on the fence here because i think there isn't really a a, a one shot answer i mean i think uh you know, going into retirement with debt is, is is a real issue, and I think so, so. Definitely, there has to be a focus on eliminating the, the the debt from your from your whole balance sheet. You know, that's a very critical point. At the same time, you know, your retirement capital is is basically going to be the asset that that funds your expenses for the rest of your life. And so, you know, you need to do a lot as much as possible to try and protect your your, your retirement capital from excess fees, excess taxes, etc. So, so to me, I think there's a balance here, you know, and uh, the government allows you, or SARS, I should say, allows you to draw a portion of your retirement fund uh, tax-free, uh, and and I think it's five hundred thousand rand off the top of my head. So, so that makes sense, you know, if your if your debt is is less than five hundred thousand rand, to then draw that portion uh, of the of the retirement fund as a lump sum. Um, and to pay that pay that down, but if you're going to cash in, for example, your entire retirement fund, and uh, and and that has a big tax implication because you, you know you you pay a lot more taxes as you as you draw more money out of your retirement fund, uh, you, you know then I'm starting to think you know is it worth it? And and I think you know you probably need to find a kind of a happy medium. You know if your debt is much more than five hundred thousand rand, 
then uh, you might want to actually consider a completely different set of questions, which is, you know, should you actually be living in that property? You know, should you should you not find a much lower cost property uh, somewhere else? Uh, you, you know, potentially even changing you know your your whole location, because I think you know having a huge debt and and then a very small retirement fund or a, a large uh, asset, which is a property that being your primary asset, but the, also the place that you live, and then a very small retirement fund, which won't help you with your, your monthly expenses. Uh, that's a bad balance to have when you're going into retirement. So, so I think the answer is, you know, um, f- first principles, definitely you try and get rid of your debt. But at the same time, just be careful that you don't uh, pay so much tax that you actually destroy the value of your retirement capital when you could have made a different decision. The third question is actually also about a retirement, but from a much younger listener. She's contributing to retirement annuities, and she wants to know whether you should invest in a retirement annuity in monthly increments or in one lump sum per year. And she also wants to know how much of her income she should be contributing to her retirement fund. She heard a figure of 27.5% and she just wanted clarity. So, so the twenty seven point five percent is the maximum that uh, that SARS allows you to to contribute to retirement funds, where you're still getting a big a big tax benefit for for making those contributions to your retirement fund. Uh, so, so it's twenty seven and a half percent, or um, subject to a maximum of three hundred and fifty thousand rand a year for for the for the big earners. Uh, and, and so that's where that number comes from. And I think, uh, you know, the answer is I've seen quite a few studies. I think most recently, Alexander Forbes did a massive study on this over the last 35 years as to, you know, with uh, with all of the movements of the RAND and international markets and, you know, the poor returns of the JSE, you know, how have investors actually performed in a retirement fund with the tax benefits that they get? Uh, and and they work out that that, that you kind of th- somewhere between depending on how old you are and how long you've been saving somewhere around thirty to seventy percent better off with all the tax benefits of contributing to a retirement fund than saying I'm going to pay the full income tax on my salary and then just save the money outside of of a retirement fund and that that's a huge benefit you know and I think so so, so to disregard retirement funds altogether I think is a big mistake. Uh, at the same time, a lot of people are really concerned about, you know, the, the, the access to getting the money inside a retirement fund, you know, what, what they call liquidity. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're a little bit skeptical about saying, well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to lock away all my retirement savings or, or, or my long-term savings just in a retirement fund, then I would say, you know, try and do a combination. So, so let's just say at least do half of your savings in your retirement fund and half of your savings outside of your retirement fund. And, you know, tax-free savings accounts are, are to me, a no-brainer for, for that kind of a purpose, you know, if, you, if you're building up your, your capital because there's no, uh, you know, there's no lock-in or liquidity issues there. So, so I think uh, the, the tax benefits are real for retirement funds. You know, just to understand that the, the, the receiver gives you a tax benefit for your contributions, but the, also the money that stays in a retirement fund grows without income tax, dividends tax, or capital gains tax. So, so you're getting two forms of tax breaks when you when you make a retirement fund contribution, and I think that's a, a point that people often miss. Uh, so, so I think uh, d- definitely want to contribute the very minimum. Uh, what should you do? I, I would ne- I would never do less than ten percent of my uh, my salary. Uh, 
if you earn a really predictable kind of just normal monthly salary and you don't get bonuses or anything else, then, then maybe do uh, you know just do a monthly debit order of your of your salary into your retirement fund. But if you have lumpy income, for example, you get bonuses or contractual payments, you know, from from contract work or or, or something else, then, then you can always do a small debit order on a monthly basis. And then at the beginning of Feb, uh, you know, do the calculation as to how much you can actually contribute to your retirement fund, and then do a lump sum. Uh, so, so I think that you know you, you can adapt it to your your circumstances. Yeah, super interesting that um, report you were talking about, Warren. I'll try and find it and link it in the show notes for for listeners because I think it is an important consideration the tax breaks when it comes to retirement annuities. Yeah. And I think you know, obviously, it comes from a big retirement fund uh, administrator. So, so you know, we've always got to be be cautious of what they publish. But I think that the study itself has academic integrity, uh, and and certainly it's things that we you know we need to be aware of. I think at the moment, you know, the the media, especially social media, is full of people of the doomsday saying, you know, it's the end of the world for South Africa and, you know, the JSC has been terrible, but they're missing the point that the emerging markets are starting to uh, gain favor again. And, you know, potentially the JSC's, uh, you, know, you know, started its run last, you know, in, in, in 2020 already. Uh, and, you know, investors who are missing out on that growth inside their retirement funds are doing themselves a huge disservice. Well, thanks so much for answering our listeners' questions, Warren, and see you back on the show soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. Thank you for listening to the Family Finance Show with Diana Granu, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. The time is now to own your financial future. Visit oldmutual.co.za for more great advice, articles, free budgeting tools and calculators, or to find a financial advisor. We'll be back next week.